However, standing by right now is the one and the only, Sean Mooney. Who? Mooney, everybody's got a price for the Million Dollar Man. After you threw him off through the announce table, Taker climbs back down, he gets in the ring, and he goes, see if he's breathing. So right before I called 911, I thought she'd fallen asleep. Kind of shook her a little bit to, to wake her up, and she did not respond. I don't go down to my, go to my grave testifying or whatever, swearing that Davey was not on drugs. If he was on drugs, the way Brett says, how does, I mean, how great does that make Davey? Are you laughing, Sean? I get off the track here all the time. Did you just laugh, Sean? If they would do a movie about your life, who would you want to play your part? <laughs> uh, well, George Clooney, of course. <laughs> who else could it be? Attention, Sean Mooney, you scum, you slime, you maggot. If there's no further questions, you're dismissed. Carry on, maggot. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Prime Time with Sean Mooney once again. I hope uh, all is well in your world. We've got uh, another great episode on the way. Before we get to that, though, uh, we're coming off a, a great episode with Chavo Guerrero Jr., and I really, really enjoyed that conversation. Did you have any idea uh, just what Chavo has uh, been up to, what he's been involved in, so many different aspects of the entertainment industry? I really found it uh, fascinating that this uh, interest for him started when he was a kid. You know, about how uh, shows were put together and the behind the scenes. And uh, he ended up fulfilling that dream and uh, still doing it to this day. But not only did he end up being a very successful professional wrestler and uh, teaming up uh, many times with his uh, uncle, but uh, who was basically his brother, Eddie Guerrero. And uh, fascinating hearing about that relationship. But uh, also what he has done uh, with his career behind the scenes uh, you know, doing uh, you know all, all the stuff he's done with these other shows, with the Lucha uh, series, and uh, also involved with Glow, that very successful uh, television show that's out there. And he's still involved with that. He uh, has appeared on many episodes, but also has done a lot behind the scenes and, um, you know, helping uh, w- in the producing and, uh, you know, the production end of it, and also as a stunt coordinator. And he still has an awful lot going on. I really... Really like talking with Chavo. I'd love to have him back again sometime. You never know down the road, but uh, really, really enjoyed that. Okay, uh, we've got a lot happening today. Before we get there, though, guys, i got to talk to you about you know, something that uh, many, many of us deal with. Now, I come from a long line uh, of, uh, of men in my family who have great uh, heads of hair. I mean, they've just, uh, I had a grandfather, his hairline was basically on top of his eyebrows. But I noticed... Uh, recently that I, I had like a little uh, patch in back up on the top of my head where the, the hair is just it's starting to, to thin out a little bit. So, uh, you know, uh, you want to do something about that, you can. Uh, Keeps is uh, a great product that uh, helps you keep the hair that you have. And guys, you know, you got you to gotta think about this because once it starts, man, that stuff, stuff starts, uh, you know, peeling off the head, starts melting down. It's not a great look. And so you got to do what you can to save what you have, and you can do that with keeps. Now listen to this. Two out of three guys, two out of three, will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35. You know who I'm talking to out there. Take a look at the mirror. The good news, 
With today's advancements in science, Keeps offers proven treatments that can combat the symptoms of hair loss. Now, Keeps has revolutionized the way uh, men are treated for hair loss. Now, before, when you wanted to get treatment for your hair loss, you had to make an appointment with a doctor in order to get treated. Well, now, thanks to Keeps, you can visit a doctor online and get medication delivered to your home. No more waiting rooms, no more pharmacy checkout lines. Get doctor attention and discreet drug delivery, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. Now, prevention is key. You want to keep that hair up there. These treatments really work. Uh, They are up to 90% effective at reducing and stopping further hair loss. The sooner you start using Keeps, the more hair you're going to save. So act fast, and many men even experience hair regrowth when they use Keeps treatments. Now, find out why Keeps has more five-star reviews than any other of its competitors, and nearly 100,000 men trust Keeps for their hair loss prevention medication. Keeps treatments start at just $10 a month. That's it, $10 a month. Plus, for a limited time, you can get your first month free. I'm going to tell you all about that, but come on, 10 bucks a month? Isn't that worth saving the hair on your head? And guys, let me tell you, you know, I, uh, I've been doing the treatments, and it's so easy. All it is is it's a bottle. It's got this big dropper on it. You put in uh, a milliliter of this stuff, and twice a day, you're just going to put it up on top of your head. And it's it's not this big, thick uh, you know, ingredient. It's not this, this uh, stuff that's going to make your hair feel all sticky or anything like that. You just put it in, and then you rub it in. And then you forget about it. You do it twice a day. And you got to be patient, but it does work. So if you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash primetime. Keeps.com slash primetime to receive your first month of treatment absolutely free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash primetime. I'm going to say it again. K-E-E-P-S dot com slash primetime. Help support the products that support this podcast. And if you're losing your hair, stop it now with Keeps. Do it. All righty, it's time to get to the main event. And boy, do we have a good one. Uh, This week, a superstar in every sense of the word is back. And uh, I am so happy to have him back in the podcast. The last time we spoke with Brutus the Barber Beefcake, uh, he and his longtime friend, Hulk Hogan, if you know the story, you know it is a uh, rich one. These guys have been friends, uh, really, since they were teenagers, and uh, they've known each other for many, many years. And when we spoke with Brutus last time, they had been estranged, and uh, you know he had also uh, not been asked to become a member of the WWE Hall of Fame. So much has changed since then. But as it's also been said many times, the more things change, the more they remain the same. Brutus, the Barber Beefcake, is back. Let's get to my conversation with Brutus. Ding, ding, ding. Folks, I am particularly excited about my guest this week on Primetime, not only because he was one of my favorite superstars that I had the a great fortune to work with back during my time with the WWF, but also because when we first started inviting guests onto PTSM every week, he was one of the first who very graciously came on the podcast. For that, I am forever grateful. It is great to welcome Brutus the Barber Beefcake back to the podcast, and a lot has happened since we last chatted. Brutus, great to talk with you again. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, Sean. How are you? I'm, I'm fantastic. Better now that we've uh, connected here again. 
And, uh, you know, uh, as I said, we've got a lot to talk about. Now, in our last podcast uh, together, we pretty much covered, you know, the basics of, of your life and, and the inspiring story of, uh, you know, starting out uh, and, and uh, meeting up with Terry Balea and traveling around in a van and working for gas money, basically, and uh, right into the, the great heights that you reach in professional wrestling. Uh, since we chatted, though, you are now... Uh, a member of the WWE Hall of Fame. And uh, right off, I mean, what did that mean to you for you to finally get that call? Well, it, uh, I got to tell you, I, I was beginning, I really didn't think it was going to happen. And um, uh, when it did come, uh, it was, you know, just very, very, very exciting and, and I know, you know, from my family and everybody, they, they were really excited and very happy for me to, to have got that call. <laughs> yeah. So how did it happen? Because like you said, I, I, when we talked that uh, you didn't really know if it was ever going to come. You didn't know the situation. There was a lot happening. How did the wheels start turning? What was the path uh, for it to finally take place? Sean, that's probably one of the mysteries of the universe um <laughs> i'm really not exactly sure what really got you know made that all happen i know you know wwe uh um they waited 25 years before they called me after i left back in probably like 94 uh and left to go and make uh tv shows and movies with with the Hulkster and mm-hmm. I did all his doubling for all that stuff and stunts and all that. And then, uh, so it was, you know, that was, uh, when that call came, it, that was like, you know, a really big surprise and, and a very happy one to, to say the least. And then, so, I mean, this, I guess, you know, they, they had to fill their quota. I mean, I really, <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you what the exact, uh, what the, what the parameters were. I know, uh, Hunter who was, you know, who was a friend, you know, of years ago, um, has, you know, he's has a real big role in, and then reaching out to guys and, and bringing guys, uh, you know, back to the company and everything. And I'd, I like to think that, you know, that, uh, you know, they, they just thought it was time for Brutus to, to, to be, you know, brought in there and that, uh, my reputation and, Everything, uh, you know, warranted that. Yeah. Did you hear rumblings, though? Did you have any clue? Did someone tell you, hey, I think they're considering you? Or was it completely uh, out of the blue? It was really pretty much out of the blue. Yeah. Uh, and it was really, it didn't happen. I mean, it was it was pretty much come down the wire. I figured, you know, if this is going to happen there, they, they were probably going to notify me, you know, ahead of time. Mm-hmm a lot of times so some you know from what i understand they they usually notify the people you know they might tell you to keep it under wraps and you know because yeah. they have their different ways of announcing it they you know uh, they had sports illustrated make the make the announcement for me you know and uh i was in sports illustrated several times one of that uh that big uh big issue they had um a holster <laughs> sitting on top of me beating my head in uh you know what was the picture there yeah and uh um but uh 
it was, you know, it was, it was very, very uh, incredible experience and, you know, getting to, uh, you know, go to New York and, and I haven't really been to a WrestleMania since WrestleMania nine, wow. to be honest with you. And, uh, you know, it's, they have some pretty strange policies about people coming and going, but yeah. you know, you have to abide by their policies and, you know, so I was never really invited. So I, I never went. Yeah. Uh, who made the call? Who who called you, and and what did they say? Oh, jeez, uh, Mark from Talent Relations, I think, uh-huh. made the call. Um, yeah, they made the call, and you know, let me know what's going on, and uh, said to keep it under your hat. You know, we're gonna have, uh, you know, break uh, break it, break the news. You know, just before WrestleMania. On, Sports Illustrated, which I thought was super cool, yeah. And uh, and uh, I was, you know, it was just very exciting. And then uh, we were able to, you know, just tell close family members and stuff, and start to get the ball rolling, so we could try to get everybody uh, taken care of, and so we could get, you know, get up there and and uh, and you know, get you know, get the family members that we that we could, uh, you know, uh, to the uh, to the event and to the hall of fame and to the you know to the big party afterwards which was which is really remarkable and then you know to the whole ball of wax it's it's a real experience you know and bruce uh, your connection to the boston area and uh you know and family it must have been pretty awesome for it to be where it took place uh what was your family rea- your family's reaction to this when you were able to tell them that you were going to be in the wwe hall of fame well, yeah, I, I mean, they were just super excited. And, yeah. I, you know, I, it's Boston. I, I spent many years there, and I had yeah. I, and I still have very deep ties there. Yeah. Um, my wife, Missy's family, they're all there. And I have, you know, friends like Andy Wong from, from the Kowloon, his family that has, you know, owned that for generations. It's a family-run business, and he's been my friend and, 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 uh, for forever and and andy was you know he was there with us for the for all the ceremonies and stuff and it was it was just a it was just tremendous being able to share that experience with close friends and people that have supported me over you know throughout the years that have always been there you know supporting me you know in, in good times and bad and i had a pretty bad divorce and you know a couple of them yeah. <laughs> And, you know, and, and, uh, you know, just, just, you know, just the, those kind of friends, I was able to reach out and have, you know, some of my friends and family there and, and just that those supports, those, you know, those that support you, you know, no matter what and stuff, when you can, when you can kind of pay it forward and, 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 uh, share the experiences with them, you know, because that's, I mean, it's a one thing, once in a lifetime, you know, deal, that whole, you know, Hall of Fame and, and uh, the ceremonies and the WrestleMania and everything. And, uh, you know, it just it just really, I don't know, it's, it's just such a, a crazy experience. And, and just being able to share that with with those friends and family was just, you know, such a satisfying and gratifying. You know, I'm just super grateful to the WWE, you know, for giving me all the opportunity and then being able to be recognized by them, you know, is, is just an honor. 
Yeah, and I can't imagine that uh, in your mind there there couldn't have been anybody else you would have in, uh, had induct you than than uh, than the Hulkster. And uh, last time we chatted, you guys were not even on speaking terms. Um, I want to get into that, but but first tell me what it meant to have him uh, induct you uh, that night. Well, it's, it was <laughs> it was an amazing thing, you know. Yeah. We. Uh, Full circle. For <laughs> years, you know, and, and, and uh, he was kind of on the outs with the company. He was, you know, been in talks with them and stuff. And yeah. being able, I, I think it was uh, a, a big help. It was a big deal for him to be able to uh, to come back and, and be center stage and, and be a presenter when they really didn't have any presenters. Yeah the hall of fame mm-hmm. he was kind of the only one really um to, to actually do to be the presenter and uh <laughs> funny, funny thing is i i figured i was gonna fudge my speech and everything but he almost fudged his you know, <laughs> start talking about me being the the booty man and this and that yeah. uh, he, he jumped uh i think he jumped jumped f- about seven years into the future while he was in the middle of his feet there. And thank God he, yeah. he got out of it real quick. Yeah. So I, don't, I don't think a lot of people realize what was going on, but it almost made me bust up laughing thinking, she's, yeah. you know, he, cause he's the one who never makes a mistake and he's always just so precise and so on point. I think, you know, to, to, the fact that with, Hey, the Hulkster's even the Hulkster's human too, you know, yeah. Well, <laughs> he could make a mistake. Yeah. You know, just like anybody else. Yeah, but I I think just the fact of having you two on stage together, uh you going into the Hall of Fame was just uh, a tremendous moment in uh, the history of professional wrestling for uh, many people who were, you know, such big fans of both of yours in the 80s and the 90s. And uh did you, uh, when you were out there, did you kind of have one of those surreal moments? You're just kind of looking, here's Hulk, uh, here I am standing on this stage and just thinking back about to, you know, all those, those miles and miles and times together. Uh, and then here you were, like I said, uh, kind of coming full cir- circle. Oh, well, you know, uh, you know, he knew my, obviously my parents, I knew his, yeah. his dad. You know, in family, uh, his, his dad wasn't a real, a real big fan of, of the wrestling business mm-hmm. back in the, you know, in the pre, pre days. And we, we were, you know, training together in the, a gym and out by the University of South Florida called Stan's Nature Right Gym. Mm-hmm. A bunch of crazies. And, and we used to be, we used to have our bathing suits on and son in, in his, in his dad's backyard and, be out there doing jumping squats and push-ups and stuff out in the yard and he'd come out there and shoo us out of there and you know tell us not to mess up his grass and stuff <laughs> you know when, when, when you, you know and his mom would be making us sandwiches and stuff and bringing them out to us and and you know when you when you when i you know just started thinking back about those days and you know how you know, two two guys were with great, you know, imaginations and, 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 uh, and drive and just, you know, going after, you know, that, like the American dream almost, you know, it's yeah. like, you, you know, if you want something, 
You know, nothing is beyond your reach if you're willing to work hard enough to get it. And I guess, I mean, that's that's kind of where we're at. And it's something everybody was saying, ah, oh, you, you guys are crazy. What are you doing? You're wasting your life. You know, you should be doing this. You should be right. getting an education. You go to college. You should do this, you know. And we we had an idea, and, and we were chasing the dream, and, and uh and then you know who could have ever imagined where it was going to really lead us but but it's so uh it's so gratifying and so you know amazing to be able to look back and remember those those, those years when we were struggling you know to to eat <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah put gas in the car you know and pay the gym dues and you know you know to for it to come you know to have to come this far you know yeah, and, and for a lot of people who don't know what the whole procedure of that Hall of Fame ceremony is, is did they have kind of, I don't know rituals or things that they do? I mean, what was the process like once you got there? And um, I think there's like a moment where you, you meet with Vince, and he's got and you take pictures with a plaque or something like. Well, how, how does that all work when you're when you're a, a Hall of Famer? <laughs> Wow, it's it's almost a kind of blur. There's a lot of waiting around. <laughs> There's always. a lot of dead time there. Yeah. Just you know, hanging out and waiting, and it was it was a, it was a little chaotic. I mean, not on their part. I mean, just for me because I you know not really knowing what to expect, and with family and friends, you know, all all going to be part of it, and trying to you know worry about everybody getting there and being taken care of. And, I wasn't really worried about myself. I was just, you know, worried that everybody else was going to be, you know, happy and be able to be a, a part of it and yeah. stuff. And, you know, it just, it just kind of next thing, you know, yeah, there, there I am. And, and with Hunter and Vince, and, you know, we got it. We're holding up our rings and showing off my ring and, yeah. and, and the plaque thing with, it has uh it looks like metals, like the pieces that go on like a, a championship belt. Uh-huh. And, and those pieces, I have them, you know, on my wall here in the house. And uh, it's really, you know, it was a lot of stuff I didn't expect or, you know, have any idea was was going to go on. And just, you know, it was just a real, you know, amazing, you know, sequence. You know, I just I didn't really know what to expect and just had to kind of go experience it and and. It just kind of goes, and then but when it's over, it's just like your head spinning, and it's it's such a whirlwind thing, you know, with all the people, and there's just so much uh, the logistics of this operation. There was so many people, and, and uh, they're involved, and it's just amazing to me how how they pull it off. You know, WWE is just so good at what they do and you know and, and and the people they have working is there's you know they're all tremendous great people and you know it's just a whole the whole outfit is just one amazing thing to me so when when uh you got the ring is it a is it a really cool ring i've never seen one of them close up and and do you wear it every day <laughs> yes. i yeah I, i've been contemplating putting it in my box you know i'm I'm bad on jewelry and stuff, and I go to the gym, and I'm in the beach and the pool, and I, geez, I, I'm afraid I might lose it. I hate to like take it off because that's what I'm afraid of. I'm going to take it off and lose it, and 
but I'm afraid I'm going to beat it up so bad. It's, uh, it, by, by the time a, a year goes by, I won't anything left of it. Uh, <laughs> I won't be able to show it off, you know, <laughs> to my grandchild, to, you know, my grandchildren and, and stuff like that. So I'm probably going to eventually have to have to put it away just, just for, you know, posterity. Yeah, that's a, that's a big piece of hardware, those, those uh, rings. They certainly look that way. Uh, when you did your, your speech, um, how did you put it together? How did you, you know, kind of whittle it down uh, to what you wanted to say up there? Well, Mitzi was a big, a good, a real part of it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we did go run it past the uh, one, one of the guys at, at WWE. He was very helpful. Uh-huh. And uh, pretty much, I mean, just whatever we came up with, they liked it. And uh, Missy helped a lot. And um, just uh, trying to, you know, to, to get through it, you know, they did have a they had a teleprompter and, and everything, which definitely helped. Yeah. Just to try to get through it without uh, without messing up uh, was uh, just just uh, a huge huge relief. And I and uh, I, I felt very uh, very happy when it was when I finally was done, you know, and I, I thought that, uh, it seemed like it came off well. And from, from what I've heard from, uh, a lot of people, they, they were quite happy and thought it was, it was pretty good. I, I think it came off real well. Yeah. And for you personally, uh, Brutus, what did, what did it mean to you to, to finally have that recognition, uh, after all the, all those years, what did it, uh, you know, really, how did that hit home to you as far as, you know, finally getting up on that stage and being presented that ring because there are not many people in this world who will ever be able to be part of that, uh, you know, that group of people who have been honored. Oh, no, and it's, it's absolutely true. And, and the thing is, there's, you know, there's being, uh, you know, reaching, being top, getting to the top of, of the mountain, they always say you got to be careful. You know, who you see going up because mm-hmm. when you when you come when you're coming back down, you might have to see those same people. You know, and yeah. this, you know, how you have to deal with with people and things. You know, I've heard uh, a lot of um, bad things. You know, and and many things negative negative things. And there were, you know, there was, there's a lot of haters out there in the world. Yeah. And, and the thing is sometimes you, you even, you know, you have doubts, you begin to doubt mm-hmm. and, and things, you know, and, and, but, uh, at the end of the day, you know, when, when something like the hall of fame, you know, comes along and then, and then, you know, you, you, you really, you get that, uh, it's just a real special feeling that you begin, you know, then that pushes your doubts into the side and, and, you know, they realize, well, geez, I, I think, yeah, you know, that I did deserve it. And, you know, everybody says, ah, you deserved it and everything. And yeah. sometimes you, you have doubts and everything and, you know, but in, in, uh, when, uh, when that happens and, and, you know, and you, you get a real good feeling and everything and, and you say, yeah, you know what, geez, I guess, uh, I guess, that you know that uh, you did a good job and that uh, and that you deserved it you know and and you, and you worked hard you know you worked so so hard sacrificed a lot i mean we sacrificed being with our families you know all the traveling and the time away yeah. you know my i lost my mom in 19 uh, 1988 mm. to to cancer and 
I, I, I didn't get to spend a whole lot of time with her. You know, she, she was battling it and, and, and was, you know, like so many people was, uh, you know, fighting cancer and people, and, and, uh, and they said, you know, uh, she, she was doing better and, you know, she had lost her hair and, and she was frail and sickly. And then she made a comeback and got her hair back and was, you know, looking healthy and, and every, you know, where things were good. And then next thing you know, she was just struck down in a matter of weeks almost from, you know, being able to go out and have dinner to, to being, you know, with hospice and, and it, you know, she refused to, to die in the hospital and basically, you know, passed away and in, in uh, the little house where I was grew up in, in, down in Tampa. Yeah. And then, and I was least, I was able to be there in her last moments. I was, you know, her oldest son and, and she basically kind of, she was, she had fallen like almost into a coma and I was still in California and was traveling and, but thank by the grace of God, she hung on and waited for me, you know, a day or so to, to get home and to be able to be there with my brothers and sisters and, and my dad and, and, uh, you know, and spend those last moments. And so that I was very grateful that God, you know, granted me that to, uh, to be there with her at the end. And, and it was very, it was very sad, but, but it was also, you know, she was a great, great, mom of five kids and a tremendous she was a a nurse and so she she did tremendous things you know and was you know and helped people her whole life you know and so i was very proud yeah and and you mentioned that uh, that's just one of the the sacrifices along the way and and uh, back then god um you know i've mentioned it a, a few times it's, it's like selling your soul to the devil in a way because uh, there's this tremendous side of this that where, you know, the fame and the fortune, uh, the recognition, the uh, self-fulfillment because of something you're living a dream, but you can't get off that roller coaster ever because you'll lose your place. And with that, you give up so much. And you mentioned losing your mother, and I know there were a lot of other things, um, but it, it really is uh, for as much uh, greatness there is to it, but there's a real downside to it uh, of what, you know, you and many others had to sacrifice to get there. Very, very, very true. Um, yeah, it was that being the, the life, you know, and traveling, being on the road for so many, you know, 300 and something days yeah, a year yeah. and being away. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big sacrifice. And, and, uh, you know, feeling sometimes you know a lot of times it's you, you feel like geez was it really worth it and and everything but my family you know was always my mom and my dad supported me and they said you know whatever you choose to do you know we, we back you and and they always did when yeah. when i was young in the business and struggling and not making money and barely surviving and, and they were always you know they didn't have a lot but whatever they could do to to you know to help me they they were doing it yeah. and uh and that's one of the big things that kept me going and uh, helped me to get you know get over the hump and then uh get that that big break at WWE WWE and yeah. and uh, you know and go on from there well I'll tell you uh Brutus I was uh among many many who were 
just uh, so elated when when that announcement was made that you were going into the Hall of Fame because, uh, you know, well-deserved. And I mentioned um, Terry. And like I said, at when we talked last time, you guys were not even speaking. What changed? How did you guys, uh, you know, get back to that friendship that had existed for decades and decades? Well, um, well, actually, uh, he reached out with the phone call one day. The phone just rang, and Missy said, "Oh my God, oh my God!" I said, "What?" She said, "It's Terry," <laughs> and uh, I couldn't hardly believe it. And you know, just picked the phone and started talking. It was like we talked yesterday. <laughs> Always was like, you know, and and uh, you know, he said, "Life's too short," and you know, and blah 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 blah, and then. Dixon, you know, we had got back together and sat down and talked over things and tried, you know, and buried, you know, whatever hatchets or whatever, you know, things that were in the past, you know, should just stay in the past, you know, and, and move on, you know, into the future. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I wish I could say that it's still that way, Sean, but... Uh, it kind of went back to the way it was before now. I haven't heard from him in six months. Hmm. Well, you know, it's uh, like old friends and life gets complicated, but uh, I have a feeling that door is never going to be closed between you two. And i um, sorry to hear that you guys aren't, aren't chatting right now, but uh, you guys have been friends for too damn long. I think that uh, you guys always will be. Um, but like you said, things happen. I mean, you got friends that are all over the country and, but uh, I, yeah. I really, well, he has, you know, he good. has his life to yeah. live. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he has his life to live. I have mine. I have no hard feelings, uh, you know, and, 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 and whatever, you know, it's all, it's all good. I, I wish the best for him and his family, you know, his son, Nick, his, his daughter, Brooke, I just saw recently at a, yeah. at a, uh, an event in Knoxville and she, she came over and held Missy's little dog and took pictures and, and uh, was was just super nice and to us and and uh, you know so there's there's no hard feelings there and, and, and he, if he if we talk tomorrow and, and said yeah. you know hey let's uh, go to dinner or anything you know I'm, I'm sure that'll happen I'd remain hopeful that it could still happen yeah well and when you talk it'll be like you talked again yesterday uh, you know I've been going through uh, folks and I I, I I should have mentioned this earlier but uh, you know Brutus has his his books out there. And it's Brutus, the, the barber beefcake, strutting and cutting. And, you know, I've heard this from more than one person, and I've read it, who say that this is one of the best wrestling books ever. And uh, what I love about it, Brutus, is that you just have, you don't you don't go on with these, you know, big, long, long, long stories. You, you've got this collection of slices of life in the journey of, of a professional wrestler who saw it all. And there's uh, there's just so many stories where you're basically you're laughing your ass off, uh, touching stuff, uh, moments <laughs> that you had. I'm, I'm not kidding. So I'm leaving through it today because I was going to get you back on. And there's things that we never got to talk about. The book was coming out. We didn't want to you know reveal a whole lot of, of stuff. But uh, there's just so much in here. And and one that just always stands out when I read the the Andre the Giant story in Japan, and <laughs> like that. You know, I had heard a lot of Andre stories, but I'd never heard that. And I got to thinking about it, that, you know, when you're a 7'4", he was at the time, and weighed, uh, you know, over 400 pounds, 
could still move pretty well, no, whatever. Six hundred plus. Yeah, well, at one point. Six hundred plus, Sean. Yeah, yeah, at one you point. Know, but you know, you got this guy's getting realize. an airplane. Yeah, this guy's got to get an airplane, and you don't think that you know he's got to go to the bathroom. And I said, you know what? That had got that had to have been a major uh, obstacle in his life. Like you said, he would have to plan when he got on a plane just when he because he couldn't go in the bathroom there. So I. <laughs> How do you go into a restaurant, you know, or spend, you know, stuff and, and go to have dinner and restaurant and drinks and, and hang out with friends and, and colleagues and yeah. things and only to realize that he couldn't fit into any normal bathroom nor right. any normal size bathroom like and and, uh, you know, and so it was probably for him, it must have been something they always had to be conscious and aware of yeah. and, and geez, had to plan that just, wow that like, yeah and just that just means you know to have to be <laughs> planning something like that for every day in your everyday life you're just so big that there's only certain places you can go that you know that's just to me was just an amazing thing and Andre was just an amazing guy he, he really was well, so I want tell me that tell me the story of of the hotel with the hazmat team. <laughs> it's like, I, I was oh, crying. Well, I, I mean, was you laughing know, so Plaza. Yeah, the Ko Plaza. Yeah, I mean, back you know in 1980. Yeah, geez, you know, it just seems like another lifetime. You know, the Ko Plaza was one of the most, you know, the biggest. I mean, it, it was nearly 90 stories tall. I mean, it was one of huge big beautiful just restaurants and shops and 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 the rooms i i remember sitting in a sitting in a room with with hulk and a couple of guys when there was a typhoon and and earthquakes and stuff and 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 the chandelier in in the in the room was was flowing back and forth because the building it's one of the, the earliest uh earthquake like uh proof buildings that they built in tokyo to withstand the you know because you got mount fuji you can look out the window and see mount fuji you know and they have typhoons and hurricanes and you know those tropical typhoons there and, and between the and the earthquakes where the you know the buildings so they build these uh they build these buildings so that they can move but they don't uh they don't break you know they won't uh they don't fall down. Hang on, I gotta let somebody. Yeah. Oh, can you get in? And uh, you know, <laughs> and the, the you know the little uh, you know the, the Japanese people—they're just such hardworking people, you know. Yeah. And, and so you know the, the maids would you know they'd have two or three you know the, the little five five foot tall mamasam, you know they they two or three of them would you know come into a room and they just go around that like a whirlwind. And, and to see them when when they came into the room to find the bathtub four inches deep and, and poop. Well, I mean, what was the man <laughs> to do, the, though, right? The mama, yeah. Oh, the lady just fainted. She just fainted away. And then when the other lady saw the other one faint, <laughs> she almost fainted. And then <laughs> the next, next thing you know, they're, they got the people in the white suits in there, and they just can't hardly figure out what happened. How, how it's possible, you know, and then, uh, uh, but you know, the people, they always, the, the, the Japanese people would always look at, uh, 
Andre was just, he was just so much bigger than life, oh, you God, know, yeah. it was just always something that, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, it was an amazing thing just watching. Yeah. And no disrespect to his memory, but boy, uh, you know, I never thought of that. That would be a, a major issue for him, especially in Japan. Uh, you know, when, when, uh, things are kind of built for smaller people. But that is just one of the one of the great stories in this book. I mean, there's just so many of them. And and, and uh, something else I want to talk to you about too is that you know a lot of people don't really know about and and like the legend of the warrior is still out there. They've got you know websites devoted to uh, some of his promos. But uh, you got along with him very well. You were you were friends and and um, I don't you know I don't think a lot of people understand or, or understood who he was, but. Uh, you know, you were one of the, the, the few that I guess will you be considered a friend of his during that time? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh you know, the early warrior days, you know, especially when when he when he came in and he was traveling, you know, we were, I would travel with him and hit the gym with him and yeah. and have meals with him and everything. And then uh as as things progressed, you know, at first he was, you know, he was quite pretty humble. And then I guess as you know, once things progressed and and uh, he began to get you know a lot more recognition and and that you know I think some people got into his head. Sometimes that can be a great thing, and sometimes it may not necessarily be so great. You know, and yeah. it can change people, and everybody reacts differently to uh, to certain things. You know, and and uh, he he became more of a recluse and didn't you know didn't hang with the guys anymore and and kind of shunned you know the the boys and which didn't make it easier for him only made things a little more difficult you know um i still enjoyed being always able to just hang out with everybody and never you know and always just be a part of one of the boys mm -hmm. and and that's that's kind of an important thing you know, with, with everybody's comrades, comrades in arms, and traveling together and working together to to make a, a great show, make a great product, and and night after night, week after week, month after month, year after year, it's just you know, it's it's a, it's an important thing for everybody to to get along and work together. <laughs> Excuse me, brother. Yeah. Well, and, you know, eventually, you know, he didn't. <laughs> he wasn't real good at at uh getting along with everybody after after a while he just really got uh you know to himself yeah well and he didn't really like you said he didn't come from that world really where you'd you know come up to these really lowly independent ranks you know the miles and miles on the road hotel rooms like that he was his his path to fame was was uh you know pretty rapid and and uh he was a he was a gym rat and and that was at at a time there certainly were people who lifted weights but not like he was i mean he was a bodybuilder and uh you mentioned in the book you know, like people like uh, george the animal steel or kamala or these other guys that that they didn't really that wasn't their gimmick and and a lot of the older guys didn't really understand him either so that made it a little bit tougher but i think as you mentioned it was so, you know, like maybe, you know, like too much too soon. And and then suddenly the fame was there and he's getting his own, you know, dressing room. And th that probably didn't help his cause uh, uh, behind the curtain. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, he was a smart guy. He was a licensed yeah. chiropractor yeah. when he came to us, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, you don't, you know, you just, you don't, they don't just give that to, to dummies you yeah. know, out there. Yeah. You know, he works, he, he worked hard like that, but there's something to be said for, you know, that time uh, in territories where guys spend time and you start wrestling in the first match. I mean, I, I learned, Sean, I, I never go to a wrestling school or, or anything like that. I, I, my first match was really, you know, I had some basic training, but my first match, I, I started learning by having matches in the ring. And that's, yeah. that's the way I was, you know, learned. And over a period of years and traveled almost every single territory in this country, except uh, the Texas territory, I've worked pretty much every single one of them. And then there's something to be said for, you know, getting, paying those dues on the road and you gain a certain, you know, respect for the business and, and, and there's certain respect for the rest of the guys too. You know, you have to, you respect uh, that everybody, you know, has worked hard also to get, you know, to get to the, you know, up to that level, you know, everybody works extremely hard when you, when you're at that level where we were all at. Yeah. You know, and uh, I, I wish I had time to go through a lot more of these stories, but there are some of these uh, kind of obscure people that like people may not have uh, known that well, at least if you were somebody who followed the WWF. But um, like your stories about King Curtis, and it was kind of like the, the master blade guy who basically became the roadmap oh. of the world. Uh, you know, what kind of a character was he? Oh, well, I, I, I never got to really hang out with him a lot until yeah. later um, yeah. w- when we were at WCW and that, the Dungeon of Doom stuff when I, was when I really got to spend a lot more time with him. And then I got to spend some time with him in Hawaii at, at, at his home and eat with him and his family and everything. And it just, just, uh, just the nicest guy. Cause, but, I mean, I watched him as a fan when I was a kid growing up and, I mean, I got to tell you, the guy terrified me. I thought the guy was, I thought he was crazy, yeah. you know, and he was just, just bigger than life and, and everything. And then once I, once I got to know what, what a big teddy bear, what a, what a, a father and a, and a, and a, and a, just a tremendous, you know, guy that he was, you know, just would do, take a sh- the shirt off his back mm-hmm. to, to, and give it to you. You know, it was just, it was just a, an amazing an amazing time and uh, amazing thing to be able to experience, you know, the, the, you know, the greatness of, of these, of people that a lot of the people that were in our business and, and knowing where, you know, where he came from and, and where, you know, and everything it was just, geez, I don't think it's, it's, it's one, sometimes words are hard to, to define yeah. to describe it. Well, I mean, you look at the picture, you talk about, uh, you know, really kind of the, the epitome of a uh, old school wrestler because uh, if you see the picture, and Brutus has pictures in this in his book of, God, I don't know how many uh, blade jobs he had must have performed over the years, but, man, my God, it was like, you know. Hundreds. Yeah, hundreds. hundreds. Um, we didn't also, we get a chance to talk, <laughs> last time we chatted uh, about your relationship with Greg Valentine, who has always been a really fascinating individual to me. But I know, you know, over the years and decades, you guys have known each other a long time. Uh, tell me a little bit about that relationship with Greg. <laughs> well, Greg, you know, is, is another one like, 
uh, I met you know when when I was in the territories. I met him in Charlotte. Yeah, uh, he was living in Charlotte, and you know he was running with Flair and and uh, and Steamboat and 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 that whole crowd. It was you know he was a, a very accomplished guy, and and uh, you know I watched his father Johnny Valentine when yeah. I was growing up. You know, and, and he used to go to the Sportatorium in Tampa, and, and he was another one, Johnny Valentine was he just scared the hell out of me i he, he was just i mean watching him in the ring just pounding on people yeah. i mean there, there was no you couldn't see through you know you know people would say oh, wrestling's sake i said if you ever watch johnny valentine have a match especially if you were there close and you watch these guys under the lamp and, and johnny was at old school 45 minute you know there was no 10 minute 15 minute johnny valentine match right. It was 45 minutes. And yeah. you, by the time you're under these lights, you're sweating and it's hot and, and then down in Florida. And when you, the guy, he, when he'd hit somebody and sweat would just fly off through the air and stuff. <laughs> and you'd be like, you're watching, you're going, oh my God, you could just hear the sound boof and splat and what, and sweat would fly through the air. And you, you just know, you know, that that doesn't get any more real than that, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, Greg was a lot like his dad too. His dad had a real dry sense of humor. Was a a, a real big time river. Loved to pull ribs. I think I might even talked about a couple of ribs that Johnny pulled on people and pulled on Greg and things. And 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 Greg <laughs> wasn't big on ribs, but he he had that that uh, that same kind of sense of humor like his dad did. Yeah. And uh, you know he was he was a great hand when I was. Uh, you know, at first coming in the, in the, to uh, WW, uh, w, then it was WWF, yeah. um, you know, Greg was there and it was, you know, in big programs with Tito and I think he had the Intercontinental belt maybe when I had gotten there, uh, first gotten there. And, uh, and uh, you know, we, we hung out some together, but he kind of really uh, took me under his wing a little bit. And, you know, I was new to that, to, to that New York and, whole Northeast area can be very intimidating, you know, as well as I do. Yeah. Driving in, in D.C. and Baltimore and Philly and, and, and New York City and Boston and all those towns. Yeah. And Greg was had already been there, you know, and and, and had a, a good grasp of, of, of everything. And he, he kind of showed me the ropes and really helped me to, uh, to learn my way around and learn how to take care of myself, especially, you know, and yeah. you have to his style was always very, very rugged and very, every, you know, you, you, you watched Greg wrestle and you, you had, and you believed, you know, you believed in, <laughs> you believed in yeah. that wrestling was real, after, especially after you got in the ring with him, <laughs> yeah, stiff. you know, but, yeah. oh, but it was, it, what it was all in good was all for love of the business, you know, and, and respect to the, our business, you know, and you, you can't forget that. Yeah, and you guys have uh, been friends, oh God, all these years. Um, you know, we're bouncing around a little bit here, but there are things that I, after I had, you know, we had our conversation with the last podcast, or just some, and, and reading your book, and there were other, you know, uh, things that you reveal in there. And we we talked a lot about, you know, your accident, the parasailing accident. And folks, if you want to hear all the details about it, it's a fascinating story and how Brutus got through that. But uh, a lot of people don't realize where you were at that time in your life when it happened. I mean, you were in a really, 
had a lot going on, a lot of uh, bad things. I mean, you you uh, uh, were going through a divorce or had gone through, you had lost homes. I don't know if financially you were in trouble. What was happening uh, at that time and before this happened? And how did you get through it all? Man, that's, that, that's a pretty long story there. But yeah, yeah I had uh, was split up from my first wife. I married a young girl, and and uh, I was, you know, my success in the early in the mid '80s there was yeah. was really running wild there. Yeah. And, and and the accident happened in 1990. I'm basically in, in 1990. Uh, we they were grooming me for the Intercontinental Belt, and, and uh and a big program with um, with per- Mr. Perfect with Honky. Or first it was going to be Honky, and then warrior stepped in and kind of got kiboshed and then so then the next time around then it wound up going to be the warrior moved on to the to the world title and then they were going to put that intercontinental title on me and mr perfect and i had a real good chemistry so that that was going to be you know me and him running for a while with that which would have been just incredible and then that's when that when the accident kind of happened and and totally uh, scuttled that ship. <laughs> yeah. And to be honest with you, brother, I, it's, you know, the, well, by the grace of God that I'm here, thank God for that doctor. Um, you know, I was, I lost my mom in 88, my dad in 89. Mm. Uh, my mom died, let's say two days after Christmas. My dad, my dad died two days before Christmas, wow. one year apart. Exactly. Wow. So, and then the next year was that 1990 year where I found out my wife was cheating on me with some biker dude and, and, and this all kind of stuff was going down. I had just opened a restaurant in California and then that was going South. And, mm. and then, uh, once, when the accident happened and everything now, it didn't look like, uh, I would ever wrestle again. And my career was gone and, mm. and uh, you know, financially I was in ruins and, and just uh, some friends stepped up. My my friends and family stepped up and, and took care of me. And, uh, you know, Hulk was there, too, you know, helping me out, helping me get get well and, and, and recover. And, uh, and you know, I got to say that, um, you know, God definitely, st- I don't know, if it was a, maybe that was an intervention mm. uh, for me or something, you know, get me gave me a reality check. And, boy, was that a serious reality check. But. But it, it, that's one of the big things that kind of helped, you know, get me through all that was, you know, my faith and, and you know, my belief that things were, you know, I had to just have faith that things were going to work out and uh, not give up. You know, it was a bit easy to give up. Uh, there was a time right before the accident happened with all this was going on. And financially, I just probably lost a million dollars between real estate. Uh, the market was crashing. I had just invested in homes and things and mm. all they all, I was losing my butt. And then that restaurant was going South. I just invested, you know, a hundred, hundred thousand in this restaurant and, and equipment. And, uh, and I put 300,000 into the, to the lease mm. or almost 400,000 into a five-year lease and all that, when the restaurant closed, you know, the people came after me for all that. <laughs> so wow. it was, you know, there was a lot of reason to like put a bullet in my head and, and, and the easy would have been easy to give up. And, Did you uh, reach that point? And, but, I mean, were you that low you know, at, 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 at 
points of time then? That was pretty low, brother. When, oh, when, when that, when the accident, especially when the accident happened, oh. when the accident happened, and I woke up, and and, and you know, they, when, the, when the doctor told me right before they took me in that they were going to try to save my eyes because Sean, I was blind for a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was blind going into the surgery, um, but due to the optic optic nerve damage, and and I mean, basically, this the, the doctor had went against all his colleagues they all said this is a waste of time this guy's not gonna make it mm-hmm. this is just all a waste of time and he said he refused uh he wouldn't listen to anybody he said look we're gonna do this so let's get ready let's get it right and and we're gonna you know we're gonna do it and he saved my life there's mm-hmm. no question about it and you know and god was give me the strength to, to just he said the doctor said, we don't understand it, but they just said, your, your body is so strong that it just wouldn't die. Yeah. It just wouldn't die. Yeah. It just kept, the heart kept on beating and, and somehow my brain wasn't damaged and didn't, didn't bleed. I mean, the hit that I took to my head, mostly in 99,000 out of, uh, out of uh, 999 cases out of a thousand people don't live they, they they die yeah and you get or you get some kind of hemorrhage to your brain and you die i mean just from car accidents from falling on your head from different things or you know it kills so many people yeah. and how i was able to walk away from it it's it's a miracle i i have no question no there's no doubt in my mind that, it, that it's a, a modern day miracle I, I you know i say my prayers every day every night I get on my knees and thank God for, for bringing me through it and, uh, you know, and giving me the opportunity to, to get back on my feet. You know, the, the support from my family and friends was just unwavering. It was tremendous. And, and, and it, you know, and next thing you know, bam, I was off and running again. Like, yeah. like nothing ever happened. Back in the you ring. Know, even. And people just like, yeah, yeah. It was, that was a tough, tough decision it took a little time to to uh to feel comfortable and you know not you know not have any fear you know that something bad was going to happen i just had to make up my mind that you know what what's going to happen is going to happen and uh so it's going to go go for it you know they they said you're crazy you can't do it don't do it you're going to die. And they said everything. And I said, yeah, you know what? Someday I'm going to die anyway. So might as well do it, go out doing something I love with, with my friends doing, you know, doing what I love. I spent my whole life doing. And then, uh, you know, and so that's, that's that. We just, we just, I just put my head down and pushed it forward. Just walked into the wind with the wind blowing as hard as it could. And it couldn't hold me back, you know? Yeah. Well, and uh, and you're and you're still here. That's uh, that's that's awesome. And uh, but you know the price that you <laughs> but guys happy, pay. Happy and healthy. Yeah, know? yeah. And and uh, but the price you, know. you pay, and then many don't have insurance. They they never had it. And you know, look at somebody like you know, like uh, you know Brian Nobbs is is struggling right now. He's got an infection in one of his knees, and uh, you know it's not like these guys have uh, United Healthcare, and uh, you know. It's 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 amazing that uh, uh, that they 
are able to even go mm-hmm. on now because their bodies are just so beat up over the years. And when you have major medical issues, there's not a lot of financial help because you can never get insurance. They're independent contractors. Yeah. I'm, I, I talked to Brian. I'm, <clears throat> he was just getting moved into a, a new facility for rehab to try to get him, you know, get him back on his feet. And, yeah. and hopefully I'll get a, get a chance to go and, and visit him and stuff. Yeah, I think he has a, a GoFundMe and, you know, we, we wish the best, you know, I always reach out to Brian, you know, on all holidays and, you know, and his wife's health is, is faltering too. And I feel so bad. Yeah. And then you know, I hope that the fans out there, you know, will contribute to his GoFundMe and help to help, help Brian out. Cause he's a, he, he he's a crazy and wild guy, yeah, but he he, he's always got a big heart. He's, he's always had a big heart. And, and it was always a good guy, you know, and he'll, he'll always reach out to help you, you know, if he can. And, uh, yeah, so we're, we're wishing our best for Brian. That's for sure. Yeah. I actually texted him today and he, uh, answered back, said that, um, you know, he's, he's still got that infection and they're hoping that they can uh, beat that. But, uh, you know, folks like Brutus said, if you can help him out with his GoFundMe, man, please do. Cause he's still got to work, you know, these, uh, he still a lot of his income is going to uh, a lot of these shows and that kind of thing. So he needs to be back on his feet. Uh, and uh, as we wrap up here, Brutus, I mean, uh, a lot of people want to know how your health is. Uh, how you doing? I mean, uh, uh, you said you're you're healthy and happy. I hope that that's the case all the way around. Yeah, I mean, I hurt my back a few years ago, and my yeah. back's got better. Um, and, uh, you know, I have my knee replaced and, 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 and my knees back to, you know, a hundred percent. I, I Great. you know, I'm, I'm running around and, uh, you know, hitting the beach, me and me and Missy and going to the beach and hitting the pool and, you know, get to the gym here and there and just having, having fun, spend time with the grandkids up in, up in Boston and, and, uh, you know, being with family, it's, it's, I'm enjoying every minute of, you know, being at home with friends and loved ones and, and, and friends and family and sleeping in my own bed. I'm yeah. just loving every minute of it. Yeah. And I know a big part of that is the, that, that young lady who said, uh, I love you. One of the first things she ever said to you. And, uh, one of the best things that ever happened to you. Cause I know she, uh, she runs the show. Missy. Oh, she's the best. Yeah, absolutely. She gets in the kitchen and whips up breakfast, lunch and dinner for me and something that I never didn't have for most of my life and now it's just so important just that to me it's so important to me and so you know so great that she you know wants to take the time and and the effort to put forth to do that for me you know just because she's that kind of person she's just a wonderful wonderful loving person and just the biggest you know big heart and will do anything for you and, and I'm just, I'm grateful to have her. I'm very yeah. grateful. Yeah. And a great, and a very shrewd business person. She, I know she, she's in charge, boy. Oh, she, she keeps you straight. Brutus, I want to, uh, you know, when we put the word out, we were talking to you again. Uh, we got a bunch of questions, so I'm hoping I can throw some at you um, while we have you. Okay. <coughs> sure. All right. This first one is from uh, Ethan Fisher, and uh, he says, always look like grenades were going off with your Brutus Barber ring attire. Ever uh, provide input into your flashy gear and who designed it um, and how many times? Yeah, that's what it says. And, and who designed your costumes? I know you had a lot. You did have a lot of input, right? Yeah, tremendous. Uh, 
uh, Hulk turned me on to the guy. His name was yeah. Michael Braun. Yeah. And uh, I reached out to actually to Michael Braun before uh, before the WrestleMania, for the Hall of Fame thing, but he was going to be out of the country. He's got out of the kind of clothes designing business and, and had a new uh, a new line of uh, work that he had been doing and he was traveling abroad so he he couldn't help me out but a super nice guy but he made clothes for like Cher and Jimi Hendrix and yeah. stuff and this was super super talented guy and yeah he made the whole Brutus you know the early Brutus stuff you know with all the animal prints and then once they you know hung the, the barber moniker on me in, in 87 um, we, I wanted to, we had to take, you know, take it to the next level. And that's when we started putting the, the fish nets yeah, and yeah. cut holes in it and, you know, in the, on the legs and the butt. And then they had the whole fish net all the way down the sides and, the, you know, all the, the crazy jackets and, and all that stuff. And it just, yeah, he, you know, he really was a big part of helping, you know, me, you know, put the, put the Brutus personality into those clothes and run them out to the ring, man. And, and you had magic and, you know, God bless them. And uh, I, I put a lot of money into, into those clothes yeah. and, uh, and, but it was well worth it, you know, and, and a lot of time and effort to, to, to get it. And, you know, I changed outfits. I, I wore almost never, you, it would be hard pressed to find me ever two pictures of me in the exact same outfit. Right. Yeah. The gloves were always different. The bow tie was different. The jacket was different. The yeah. boots were different. The armbands were different. It was always, I changed it up every time, all the time. And that, I was kind of proud of being able to be, you know, uh, an innovator, not an imitator, being somebody who was a leader and, 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 you know, not a follower. And, you know, a lot of guys, I mean, I turned Macho Man on to my guy and because Macho was, you know, he was a great, you know, talent, and but his his outfits were, you know, he came out with a big robe thing, and he had the headband yeah. on and everything, but it was, it wasn't much. I mean, you know, it wasn't, it just wasn't enough. And then <clears throat> I sent him to my guy, and the guy he made the cowboy hat, yeah. he, he, he did the uh, all the clothes and all the stuff to, in a in a little uh, different style from what Beefcake was in a way that. So Macho could have his own niche, you know, and, and, uh, the, you know, it's not always the, the clo clothes that make the man, the man, it's the man that makes the clothes, but it, for Macho's, you know, thing, it was, it was also the clothes yeah, that really yeah, gave right. him a, an extra boost, yeah. you know, to come out there with all his stuff and, and really look, you know, like, like a, you know, like a, a top guy, like a, you know, get you know, not just be a champion, but look like a champion, look like, you know, a world, world-class guy. Yeah. And, uh, and yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, they yeah, did. It managed many, a lot for I your career many, too. Uh, man, I wore many, many jackets. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's funny, <laughs> it's funny, Brutus, that, you know, it went from, uh, you know, the gimmick that you were like ready to rip lockers off a wall over and what that turned into. Uh, I know you mentioned in the book that, uh, you know, you're one of the, uh, fastest selling uh, uh, dolls, you know, not dolls, uh, action figures, uh, and, and was, you know, making, I think you got a royalty check uh, of a, several thousand dollars, and it, it just took off. It was just amazing. And of course, the haircutting uh, that uh, was another part that just, uh, you know, people would want to see those match. Who's he's going to, whose hair he's going to cut? 
Uh, Ethan followed up with it. He's like, how many, you know, I don't know why he mentions Lanny's, but he says, how many times did you cut Lanny's hair? Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> really only want yeah. really pretty good. That yeah. was, the, you know, that, well, that stood out. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. And then, yeah. uh, any memorable road stories we talked about, uh, Greg, uh, that can be mentioned, uh, any, any, uh, story you got on, on the hammer that, uh, and even if you can't, it's not supposed to be mentioned. Mention it. <laughs> well, here's a quick, quick one. Yeah. I, I have been straining my brain for, it seems like a decade. Greg ran into this girl in California who was one of the big time porn, porn girls. And they called her the snake lady. But she was really nice, nice lady. And she traveled a little bit came on the road i remember being in pennsylvania somewhere and and it, it just she was just a hilarious person and stuff and she she went out and got this little uh, uh doll that like like a baby that looked like a baby and had like a little bassinet and stuff and she's walking around at one of the shows and this thing and, and with this doll in there and people, you know, Going like, yeah, this is her baby, and then, and then the boys are looking at her. <laughs> for for a second, it almost looked like it was a real baby, you know. And, yeah. And Greg was just kind of rolling with it too, and, and it was just, it was he, you know, because I said he had a kind of crazy, weird sense of humor, and he just rolled with it, and and it was just some. I saw some some of the people's faces, and we laughed, we just laughed and laughed and laughed when we were together after that. Uh, you know, just unlimited, uh, just uh, unbelievable over some of the, the crazy, funny stuff that, you know, we wound up doing on the road. And that one just, and I've never told that story to anybody before. I'm trying, I wish I could remember the girl's name, but, but, uh, well, I'm sure when she walked in there that, with a the baby, all, was, there's some boys going, Oh man, I hope, <laughs> I hope she didn't think that's mine or so. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, Put oh, the fear of God, God into many of them. Uh, okay. Um, uh, he also wants to know, is there, uh, any wrestler that you wish you had the chance to work with and never did? Anybody that stands out that uh, you really wish maybe you Maybe The had? Rock. Yeah. Yeah. I, I never got to wrestle with The Rock. I mean, I wrestled his dad many times and he's a good friend. Yeah. And, uh, um, I, you know, the one guy, yeah, that I, I admire his, his style and everything. I mean, I got to work with Steve Austin, but he wasn't the same Steve Austin. He was just stunning Steve when, right. when I wrestled him. And yeah. it would have been fun to, you know, to have a match with Steve and, and, uh, and, and the rock, I think would have been great. It would have been fun to, to, to wrestle, you know, a match or like a tag match or something too, yeah. you know, where you see you get a lot of interaction or something going there. It, would have, it sure would have been fun to do that. All right. Uh, Sean Daniel says, uh, this is what I've been waiting for. First, it's not a question, but how now is my opportunity to let Brutus know that he was what caused me to become a wrestling fan. He was my favorite superstar. Um, and he says, please let him know, Sean. Well, I just did. And he said, secondly, my question, whose hair was the hardest to cut? <laughs> Adrian Adonis, really? <laughs> the first one. That was the hardest one ever. Trying to trying to get the razor to work, and, and right there in WrestleMania three in the uh -huh. ring, and his hair was sweat, and, and it was all sweaty. And Adrian never 
his hygiene wasn't good <laughs> and it was so greasy that the little battery powered flippers just would stop when you try to push it into his head it, it just would stop it would stop and stop oh, and God. i was panic stricken i had to get him to throw me some scissors into the ring literally they were they were panicking they it finally got happen, some scissors yeah. in there oh once I, I was able to chop a little bit off with the scissors i went back to the to the uh to clippers again and wound up kind of figuring it out and realized what i had to do to run it right along his scalp to try to you know get right on the hairline there to to get it going and i finally got finally did get it going a little bit but I was a few minutes, a few seconds of, of sheer panic there. Yeah. Well, there, there you go. None of that was discussed. There was no game plan. None of that. None of that was laid out. None of that was planned. None of that. You know, me going out there and helping Piper was all. We just winged everything, brother. Yeah. Winged it. There was well, nothing. Was you learned, nothing. You know, laid down. You know, say, hey, you're going to go out here. You're going to do the pipers. Going to go outside. There was there was none of that stuff. Like now, the matches are laid out. Every every move, everything is scripted. Nothing like that was done, and it was just, hey, here's what we're going to do. You're having the match. I'm going to go out there, and and then and then just uh, you know, and pipes here, here, British, you cut us here, and you know, we're off to the races. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny how uh, my how the business has changed. Where you guys, uh, you had to do a lot of imp- uh, improvising these days. It's uh, it's not quite the same. Um, uh, here's a question yeah. from uh, Aiden uh, Yastro. He says, "How did you end up working for Portland Wrestling, and what did you think of Don Owens as a promoter?" Well, uh, Don Don o, the Owen family is is he had a brother O Elton that ran one of the towns, Eugene. And, uh, he was a good, he was a good man. He, you know, he, he, uh, for, he was a promoter for many, many years. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I, I spent a year out there, Stan, Stan Stasiak, Stan, the man Stasiak, former WWWF world, world champion. Um, I had <clears throat> uh, Kurt Henning's first match in the wrestling business out there. And uh, I think it was in Eugene, one of the small towns, him and his dad, his, his dad brought him out there and to, uh, to start, start his really his wrestling career out there. And, and, uh, I think Kurt wound up blowing his knee out and, mm. in, in one of the, you know, the first couple of weeks that, uh, that he was there and then wound up having to go back to, to Minnesota where he was from to, uh, to get a, you know, get a, a small knee surgery and then never wound up coming back out to, to Oregon again, which is a shame. It would have been great to have had, uh, Kurt, but I mean, I got to meet, uh, Larry, the ax Hennig yeah. and, and, and we, you know, watch, watch him, you know, do some stuff. And he, you know, we did some, they did some angles on TV with, with him and Stan and, and just, oh, it was, it was an amazing time to, uh, you know, these guys were my, my mentors and, and, you know, that I had, you know, watched growing up and just to be able to interact with them and, and, and the ring was just, you know, an unbelievable honor, you know, and, and a privilege. Yeah. And, uh, he follows up with that by saying, uh, was it difficult to be around Matt Bourne in those days, both inside and outside of the ring? Not sure what he's basing that on. <clears throat> well, to be honest, honest with you, I drove from Tampa all the way to, Portland mm-hmm. in three days across country. It's 
from from Florida there was nearly four thousand miles or something. Yeah. And uh, my the first my first couple of days my first day in the territory was at Saturday night was a TV and I walked in and uh, Dutch Savage was was the booker. I don't I don't know if Don was there at that night. At least he wasn't in the dressing room at that time. And Matt Bourne. And I didn't know, but I, I, I heard his father, where he's a second generation. His father was Tony Bourne, who had worked in the territory and everything. And and Matt said something to me, real some real smart ass comment to me in the in the in the dressing room. And next thing you know, Dutch Savage and a couple of people had to pull me off of him because mm. back then I was, uh, you know, Dizzy Hogan or uh, Diz, yeah, I don't know they were calling me Dizzy Dizzy Golden or dizzy at boulder <laughs> and and i was you know i was in good shape 240 250 pounds matt wasn't exactly a big guy and when he started popping off to me man i i was going to stand up for myself i wasn't taking nothing from nobody right. and uh they had to pull me off of matt born the first night in the territory <laughs> did it get better <laughs> oh yeah well i mean yeah yeah but I, you know, I had to let them know, yeah. and I'd let everybody that. know that, you know, you ain't gonna, yeah, you you, uh, you ain't gonna get away with. It. I, I, you know, had to learn how to take care of myself, and and uh, you know that was that was what's gonna happen. If you uh, you mess with me, you're gonna get you get in trouble. Uh, we got a, a series here of uh, people very fascinated with the British Bulldogs and your relationship with them. Um, Aiden asks, uh, were the British Bulldogs stiff to work with during your one run with them um, over in the WWF? What was your experience working with them? Uh, well, it was great, but the the, um, the the Bulldogs were young. I mean, Dynamite was a little more experienced than Davy Boy. Right. Um, I don't know how much time Davy Boy had had working in the States, but Dynamite had been working in Japan a lot, so he had, he had that real fast and in the crazy style you know flying off the top and out into the crowd and stuff and and david boy was just strong like you know he we used to do a thing where he'd press slam me all the time and i'd be like off his, his fingertips and pushing off his his shoulder and you know he'd have me way up in the air and, and just toss me across the ring like i was a a rag doll and stuff. So we, <clears throat> Greg and I, uh, work with them, but we, it was a lot of a learning experience. We had to try to bring them up to speed when, cause the, the, the Mike Rotundo and Barry Windham, we took the belts from, uh, Barry Windham decided, you know, two days after we had won the belt to quit. And, uh, so, I mean, we were supposed to, you know, wrestle them for, you know, six months all over the territory and now all of a sudden we didn't have opponents. And uh, so we had to get the Bulldogs kind of up to speed fast. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there, there was a lot of, uh, you know, there was a lot of miscues going on at first. But, you know, they were great, young, you know, and, and, and very talented guys. And so, you know, we, we got them up to speed pretty quick. And, I mean, the matches, brother, that we had with those guys are just phenomenal i mean just when i look back and watch you look at that wrestlemania 2 match in la with them guys and yeah. you watch the stuff that we used to do i mean they're so solid there's not you you can't the kicks the punches the, yeah. the, you know, all the slams and suplexes everything 
is just so solid. You know, you wouldn't say they're stiff, but, you know, they're solid. You couldn't see through anything that we were doing there. Anybody would say, oh, that's fake. (laughs) You think, yeah, let me, you come over and let Dynamite Kid come flying off the top of a headbutt. And you tell me that that's fake. I said, yeah, that ain't, that ain't going to happen. Yeah. Well, Michael Gonzalez wants to know, is is there a particular story that uh, you remember working with those guys in the ring? Uh, A particular match that something really stands out to you? Yeah. uh, Well, we had, we had a lot of matches with them. Um, But, you know, once, once we had the belts, we worked, you know, a lot of main events. We worked in the Maple Leaf Gardens, which, you know, was a, a pretty, you know, which is where the, the, the hockey team plays, which is, you know, in in Canada, hockey is the religion, you know, and, and, and so the fans up there, you know, they're they're crazed. And uh, we wrestled the Bulldogs and Dynamite Kid, all four of us were bleeding, and Dynamite Kid, suplex me standing on the top rope oh. all the way across into i mean I, I, basically my feet were landed almost in the other corner oh. and uh and the, the match we wound up with like a i don't know if it was a, some kind of a draw or some kind of a uh, was a count out or something they, they didn't beat us with the belts and then we brought the match back and then we did the same thing a second time where dynamite because I wouldn't have let anybody I trusted dynamite. I knew dynamite for, for a while. And, and, and I knew what kind of strength and power and, and what I knew that his skill was level was up to the task. And, and I let him, you know, and I went for it and he, we did the same thing and, and we did the, the suplex off the top rope. And then we wound up getting our hands raised to keep the belts. And I mean, the place we had sold it out the time, you know, the last match, and then we brought it back and sold it out again. And mean, and, and, and the people went crazy. It was just like, you know, they, they couldn't believe it. Yeah. You know, the, and, you know, I mean, these matches are just, you know, 30, 40 minute matches, just, you know, up, down, all around, but, you know, we kept it in the ring, Sean. We didn't, we weren't out in the crowd. We weren't broke, breaking tables. We weren't bashing t- t- chairs over or anybody's heads or light bulbs or baseball bats with barbed wire on them, or yeah. lighting people on fire. Yeah. We wrestled. We were in yeah. the ring and we wrestled for 30 or 40 minutes. And I'm telling you, the people never stopped screaming the whole time. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned this in your book about uh, God. I, you can call them ribs, but I, I, the Dynamite Kid and, and Davy Boy took it to the extreme. And uh, AJ Ganella wanted to know wants to know uh, what is your best memory of the Dynamite Kid and also the worst incident you saw uh, him do. <laughs> Folks, you got to read the book; you'll learn a lot. But anything that really stands out? God, I don't want to get anybody in trouble. Um, I, I remember in Baltimore one night, it was, had to be 10 below zero, just so cold at dynamite kid came in my bag and got my, my scissors out and, uh, cut one of the referee's legs of his pants off and he didn't have another pair of pants. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's an extreme. Know, 10 below zero. Oh, had to yeah. Yeah. I hope and, you found uh, a pair of I mean, sweatpants. They used to. That, 
<laughs> he had to finally yeah, yeah. he had a bar bar some sweatpants for somebody to make it home. But the, the, the Davy Boy used to go. We used to some of the smaller towns. Sometimes we'd be in a uh, a locker room like a with high school or a, something, and they used to have all the the locks on lockers and stuff. And in the coach's office, you could if you could find it, there was a master key that would open the locks. Davy Boy would go in find that master key in the coach's office and then unlock 15, 20, 20 locks and then put them on somebody's bag. Oh God. So the bag would weigh 20 pounds because it'd have 25 locks all over the handles. Just so many locks on it. You could barely lift the bag or he, you know, he'd lock their, uh, bag to a locker so that they couldn't, it would be, they couldn't get it, you know, so they, they have to, somebody would have to come in and cut the locks off or they'd have to try to find the key so they could unlock with the locks. And, oh man, he caused some people a lot of grief with all the locks and, and things. They would super glue people's zippers on their, on their pants together. So they couldn't get your zipper, your, you know, your zipper would never work, you know, cut all the shoelaces, you know, out of their shoes. So they go to put the shoes on all their shoelaces are all cut all the way down. That yeah, was no, those favorites. are the mild ones, right? I mean, uh, you, you want to learn some yeah. more, folks, you got to read the book. But uh, uh got another one here for you. How did you feel about unexpectedly turning face at WrestleMania three with little to no buildup and starting the barber gimmick that same night? Well, yeah, it was, you know, really didn't tell me I was switching baby face. I mean, I had an idea we were doing something. I was going to be wrestling at uh, Adrian, but he really didn't fill me in uh, uh, anything. And yeah. so, I mean, it was, was a big shock. Um, you know, whether I was going to do this or that was one thing, but really kind of almost changing my gimmick from, from Bruce Beefcake and, the, you know, doing the thing here to, to all of a sudden now being called the barber. barber yeah. In, in, in a whole different moniker and a whole and something different and then really with, with no warning real warning or no prep time and no you know didn't didn't really uh give me a real good heads up about what i was going to have to be expected to do or anything was you know that was not an easy not a good day not an easy day and and uh i was you know that time i was at some people not and not a happy camper but you know i was glad the way it turned out yeah if you only knew then what it was going to turn into but i imagine at the time because you've you've talked about it that uh you're like what you're gonna have me be a barber what am you know and it's just it's amazing <laughs> what if you would have known then what it was well, going to turn into it, you wouldn't have, it would have been a much different story that night but it's really interesting. We didn't talk about it at WrestleMania. Right. Yeah. We only, they handed me the barber scissors and the white coat three days later when we showed up to do TV in Rockford, uh, rock, rock, what's it called? Uh, Rockford. It's in upstate rock, Rochester, oh, Rochester, Rochester, New York. New York. Yep. You got the old war memorial. Yeah. Out of, yep. Rochester. Old war memorial. Building they tore down. Yeah. They tore it down. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Oh, okay. Real quick. Uh, having experienced both the WWF and the, uh, the rise in the eighties to the WCW. And I think I know the answer to this one, but what was most enjoyable, enjoyable? 
And you can do quick answers on these. I want to show you what, what's the question there? Uh, having experienced both the WWF through the 80s rise and then being with WCW during its rise, uh, how different were the two and what was the most enjoyable? Well, uh, you know, the talent, being around the guys was, was definitely the most enjoyable thing. Yeah. Meeting and being able, uh, you know, being along around the best talent in the world that the world wrestling's ever seen was, yeah. was definitely the most fun. And, you know, the, the territories were different. Uh, WWE was a, was a little stricter and dressing room etiquette and, and policies were a little stricter. WCW was a little looser. Everything was a less pressure and stuff. So it was, it was too different, too different, uh, totally different. But, but at the same time, it was, uh, it was still very exciting. You know, yeah. there was still uh, a lot of excitement. The uh, the rise of the WCW and the Monday Night Wars, the, the NWO and all that was a really exciting time. It was some really, really fun. Got to meet some really crazy, uh, crazy people, the Hells Angels, yeah. all the guys that we, NWO was riding, you know, the hog wild out in Vegas and all this stuff. And, there was some. That was some really fun times. Yeah. Some you know, great times. Yeah, you know, it's amazing, Bruce, that you were part of both of those. I mean, uh, somebody would have just loved to have been able to been backstage for that. You were a part of both the rise of the WWF and the WCW. It's just amazing. Okay, uh, Brian Florio says, um, "Let's see what." Uh, oh, wait, AJ Ganella says, "What was your worst post Brutus gimmick?" You had a few of them. What stands out as the one you just like? Oh man, I wish I would have never have had to. <laughs> well the booty man i you know was a little crazy about the whole booty man the the butcher thing was short but yeah. was okay um i enjoyed the uh the zodiac the dungeon of doom times were great because you begin to get hang out with those guys and and do the stuff that we did was was a blast yeah. and uh you know the, but the but the, the booty man was really yeah kind of Kind of lame, and uh, but you know sometimes you just got to do what you got to do, man, to put bread on the table, and you know, you know, it's not nobody ever says it's going to be easy. No, nope. no, nope. uh, <laughs> so you just got to do what you know. You got to the, the greatest. Sometimes you got to make uh, chicken salad out of chicken shit. That's, that's right, the and, and, and the greatest <laughs> of all time have bad gimmicks to tell you about. I guarantee it. Uh, let's see. Uh, last question here. Uh, Brian Florio says, what was the plan? And we, we touched on this a little bit uh, before the, uh, the accident uh, uh, in summer of uh, 1990. Anything uh, set beyond SummerSlam? And you, you mentioned this. They did have uh, plans for you before that happened. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's the thing, John. Most of the time, yeah, the, 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 uh, the intercontinental belt is usually a, a grooming tool when they're grooming you to, you know, eventually go and take the world title and be the world champion and, and be the leader of the, of the whole pack there and, and stuff like Hulk had done for so many years. So, I mean, that was, that was pretty much going to be their plan and stuff. And so, um, unfortunately it wasn't meant to be, but, um, but I still, you know, I'm just thankful and grateful to uh, have got all the opportunities and that, uh, that I, did get and to get as far, you know, farther, it would have been nice to have got the world, you know, the world title there or something, but, but not necessary. Um, sometimes, you know, there's 
people that you remember because they were champions and some people you just remember because they were exciting. And I think I was one of those guys that people remember because I was just doggone exciting. And there was a certain uh, magic and charisma and, and that people, you know, uh, connected with. And I think uh, that's important. Yeah. Hey, hey, Brutus, before we sign off, I'm going to tell everybody, I'm going to tell everybody, uh, you got to check out the book. I'm sure you can still get it. It's Brutus the Barber, Beefcake, Strutting and Cutting. Folks, there are some great stories in here. Like I said, a lot of people say this is one of the best books ever. How can they get a hold of it? BrutusBeefcake.com. BrutusBeefcake.com. We're right in there, and you can get photos and T-shirts and action figures and uh, the whole shebang, you know, you can write me on Facebook. You know what we're going to do? Facebook. We're on uh, Sean's show. Anybody who buys the book at BrutusBeefcake.com for $23.95 yeah. and just puts Sean Mooney in the uh, email subject will upgrade to sign and personalized for free. So that's a big saving. Awesome. You hear that, folks? You uh, go to BrutusTheBarbeefcake.com. Right from the boss. Yeah, and you're going to get it signed. So... Put Sean Mooney in the subject there when you uh, inquire about the book, and you will get it signed personally. That's fantastic. See, I told you. Put your name on it with a personal touch Yep, from uh, from the barber. And how do they follow you on Twitter and Instagram and all those? Uh, Twitter is Brutus Beefcake, Brutus Beefcake underscore. Um, My Facebook's under Edward H. Leslie, my real name. Yep. And what's the Instagram one thing, honey? Brutus underscore beefcake. Brutus underscore beefcake. All right. I think. All right. <laughs> go eat your go eat your great dinner, okay? And I want to thank you, Brutus. Really, it's been I can't awesome. Wait. I love chatting with you. We'll do it again sometime, and I can't wait to see you down the road. Well, thanks, Sean. We really appreciate it, man. Uh, and uh, it's, it's great uh, since we reconnected there and. Uh, in New Jersey that day. It's been a real pleasure. Always an interesting conversation with the barber. Uh, Isn't it amazing that when he first heard of that gimmick, uh, becoming the barber, he thought, oh my God, it's over. He's ready to rip lockers off the wall. The Hulkster had to calm him down. And uh, he thought, oh, this this is it. My, My career's over. It's ruined. Instead, it made him one of the most popular wrestlers on the planet. And uh, would finally lead him to the WWE Hall of Fame. So, man, it's, it's amazing how uh, sometimes things work, right? It certainly uh, paid off for the barber. And, uh, guys, as I mentioned, if you want to uh, you know, read a, a great wrestling book full of uh, unbelievable stories, I mean, you just read them one after another. And he doesn't drone on with these things. He just kind of hits, man, and he tells you the story, and it's okay. Uh, on to the next one. I think it's like 400 pages of this book. And uh, I'm not the only one that has said it, it they, that uh, it's one of the, the best wrestling books I've ever read. And, and you really should check it out. And uh, you can do that. All you have to do is uh, to get a copy of Brutus the Barber Beefcake, Strutting and Cutting. Uh, just go to BrutusBeefcake.com. BrutusBeefcake.com. And remember what Missy Beefcake said. If you go there and order the book, I think she said twenty three ninety five. And you put uh, Sean Mooney in the subject heading of that email. Uh, Brutus will also sign that book and he'll personalize it as well. So check it out. Go to BrutusBeefcake.com. All right. uh, More great stuff going on uh, this week with uh, our Patreon. 
Uh, I love our our Patreon members. They uh, certainly help support this program. They keep uh, they keep the podcast going, and uh, we really, really, really appreciate them. We keep putting up uh, all kinds of new content every single week, and uh, we loved hearing your suggestions. I know Evan this week put out the call. I want to know what you guys want to hear, and uh, we are certainly going to respond to uh, all of your your great input. Uh, but if you know, if you become a Legion of Who member or you become a Mooney, we've got all kinds of great perks for you. Not only the watch-alongs, not only the Ask Mooney Anythings. Uh, we, we, we've got, now got the, these cameo videos that uh, they have me doing. And, uh, of course, if you're a Legion of Who member, you get to do your own podcast with me. There's just all kinds of, uh, of stuff that comes along with that membership. And uh, remember, it helps support the podcast. And I want to thank all of you for being a part of it. And we've got, uh, you know, we keep getting those questions, those great questions you guys give us that uh, only you get to hear the answers to. And, of course, you get to help select which, uh, which podcast we release every week. So if uh, you aren't a member yet, we'd love to have you. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash primetimemooney. That's patreon.com slash primetimemooney. And join us, Okay. Uh, love to hear from you. I hope you're following us. We uh, The numbers keep growing. Uh, we've surpassed, I know, 4,000 followers on uh, Twitter now with just the um, the Primetime Mooney uh, Twitter. And then also, uh, boy, I'm, I'm, I'm getting close to 10,000. We're on our way to 10,000 followers for Sean Mooney Who, at Sean Mooney Who. And then also Instagram's doing well. But uh, Twitter and Instagram, if you aren't following us yet, please do that, at Primetime Mooney. And if you got any input i keep telling you guys i always check the email I always check uh, primetime mooney at gmail.com if you uh, want to uh, get in touch with me got a question suggestions feedback uh go there primetime mooney at gmail.com and uh, email me directly once again guys we need you all to keep spreading the word about primetime uh please primetime with sean mooney if you uh you know, uh, subscribe on your favorite uh, podcast platform if you haven't done so. Also, if you're on iTunes, uh, subscribe there, but also give us a five-star review, uh, rating rather, and also a review. That really, really helps, okay? Another great episode is on the way next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Until next time, I'm Sean Mooney, and I am out.